Well, the pillars of life, right? It's stress reduction, sleep, nature, clean eating. And it's like, and sometimes if you can't do that, you do need the support. And I think, you know, we're so thankful that we saw the deficiencies and because of our training in both worlds, we are able to make cleaner product because again, it's not just the ingredients like progesterone USP, great, pregnenolone USP like in her product. But when she came to me, the vehicle, because sometimes the vehicle that these things in, it's so toxic. And if this is something you're going to use, let's say for the rest of your life, you want the clean vehicle. So don't just look at the active ingredients, which we all tend to do. Also look at the inactives because they're just as critical to make sure they're not toxic, clean, and causing endocrine disruption. You know, I always say you're trying to do all this good stuff and, and like replenish hormones or all supplements. But when you look at the other toxic stuff in them, it's like you're not doing your body any favors by doing it this way. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. You guys, one of my favorite topics ever is talking about bioidentical hormones. It is something I've been lecturing around the world for decades and the concept of bioidentical estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and DHEA, and the list goes on, thyroid hormones, right? Mitochondrial hormones and whatever else that we're doing. And the key thing, another big part of that, understanding hormones, understanding hormone disruptors that are blocking your body's own natural hormone production, hormone and receptor sites. So it inhibits your body from doing what it really needs to do. And the way we administer hormones safely and conscientiously as a form of bioidentical hormone replenishment versus replacement. I always like to use the word replenishment versus replacing. We don't want to replace. That's what pharma does. <laughs> we want to replenish. But of course, that's, we're stuck with some terrible terminology. And in one of my lectures to a, a huge medical audience, I heard this woman, my guest today, who's on the show, I heard her speak and I fell in love with her. I felt such a camaraderie with her from the moment I heard her open her mouth and she started telling it like it is. And I've just loved her. You will love her too. And I always joke that she's my cousin because my mom's family name is Sweden, spelled differently, S-U-I-D-A-N. And she is Sweden. This is Sahar Sweden, who is president and CEO of Neurofarm and former CEO of Pharmacy Solutions in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and an adjunct associate professor of clinical research and leadership at George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences, as well as adjunct clinical associate professor of pharmacy at Wayne State University. She has so many degrees. She is seriously one of the smartest women I have ever met in the world, in the world. She talks nationally and internationally on anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She talks about hormone replacement. She has taught countless number of physicians around the world and, and given them insight into regenerative therapies as well as emerging, emerging technologies. And because of her own love and her own desire to really help with our body's own hormone replenishment created a skincare line that I just love. It is really effective. It's advanced, it's anti-aging and it's clean. So a skincare line free of those endocrine disruptors. So I'll have her tell you guys more about that because I know you're going to love it too. Let me bring her on. Well, welcome, Sahar. It is great to be spending time with you, having coffee, tea, actually drinking water. But how are you? We're good. We're good. So good to see you. 
This is literally my cousin and my sister from another mother, literally. <laughs> so it's it always a pleasure to see you and be with you and talk and have coffee and discuss all kinds of fun topics. Oh my gosh, I know. I love it. And I love when you call me your sister from another mother. We have said from the beginning, like we are cousins. We have to be cousins somewhere down the line for sure. And our passions align, right? We really are passionate for women's health, men's health and health done right. Now you are a pharmacist by training and you have multiple degrees and everything, but how did you get into biodynamic hormone therapy and hormone optimization? So yeah, it was an interesting journey. So after I finished my doctor of pharmacy degree, I was pretty young at the time. Long story, I started college at 14. And then I was doing a postdoc fellowship. And then my teacher fell in love with a French man. So here I am a 20 year old punk with a $20 million worth of grants. So I ended up having to go to Europe a lot, actually, you know, to be with her and run some of the clinical trials. And, and when I went to Europe, it really opened up my eyes to whole body care, whole person care, right? You know, in the United States, we're really taught, I called it band-aid medicine. Now after learning more, because it's like symptom drug, symptom drug, right? That's how we trained. And when I went to Europe, it was really like whole person care. I was like, wow, what an amazing concept. Like, why don't we doing that here? And, and so when I came back, I really started to look for this kind of training and this kind of medicine. And I started my career in really pain management and neurology and migraines. And then of course, in neurology, there's catamineal everything, right? Catamineal Caesars, catamineal migraines, catamineal you know, asthma. Okay. We and have to explain really what catamineal means. Catamineal yeah, means so around catamineal your means, you know, hormone related or cyclical type events. So like sometimes women around their period or peri, you know, peri period, you know, before, or when hormonal shifts, whether it's at menarche onset of menses or perimenopause, when we're kind of going through the change of life, if you will, and kind of seizing, you know, there was these life events that would happen in people that would have neurological type stuff. So like migraine, we know menstrual migraines very commonly, you probably know some people with menstrual migraines. But then I learned, well, there is, you know, menstrual seizures, menstrual asthma attacks, they seem to worsen around that time of menses. So, you know, my inquiring mind, I was always that child, like, why, 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 which of course, my parents loved or didn't love, maybe, you know, I started taking out like, there's got to be a hormonal connection, obviously. And that's when I really, I tease, I said, I had to become a hormone expert, not by choice, but by must and need. So I can better understand what's really happening to these women. Because just like, you know, Dr. Quebec, I was very passionate about whole person care, women health, you know, inspiring and lifting women up and things like that. And so I really dove into all these hormones, their actions, what are they doing in the body? And you know, wow, like what a revelation, right? They're like literally messengers to every single cell in your body, right? You know, we were kind of taught in school, yeah, there's hormones, you know, you have babies, the ovaries kind of check out, you know, they go south after a certain age or the testes in men and you know, there you go by, you know, they're only kind of there for you for to be fertile myrtles as I used to tease, right? But they do so much more and they're literally involved in every single machinery in your body. And so that's really how I say I had to become a hormone expert, you know, been studying a lot of it, really published a lot into that world and been teaching around the globe because I'm so passionate about it, you know? Yeah, I know you are. And you're so funny. So it's so fun to have conversation with you because you just tell it like it is. You bring humor to difficult topics. If we're talking hormones, if we're talking menopause, if we're talking sexual health and those key, key aspects. So let's talk about like, what is cutting edge right now? What is cutting edge controversy? Because I just was interviewed for a, an article, I think, for Top Sante magazine in Europe. And they were saying, what is the difference between body identical and bioidentical? And I was like, body identical? What's this? I mean, I had to look it up. And fortunately, my friend, Dr. Lara Bryden had written on it too. But using the terminology biopharma, body identical, and, and trying to differentiate from bioidentical. Have you heard about this? Yeah. So, you know, in honestly, that's that's probably the the number one question I usually get, right? Because even in the medical literature, there is still terminology confusion constantly. So myself and Dr. Quebec, you know, we teach healthcare professionals all around the globe, and even you know, still to this day in 2020, we mishmash 
these hormones together without really identifying the subtypes, if you will, whether they're, you know, synthetic to bioidentical to natural to, you know, body identical, you know, what the heck does it all mean? Even progesterones, we clump in all progestogens to progestins to progesterone, and it's all clumped together in the literature, but physiologically and what they do in your body, very different, you know, cellular and body machinery action. So I spend, you know, most of my life as I tease it in the healthcare field, really teaching them these nuances and, and kind of pulling apart the pieces for them and dissecting, you know, down to the micro level, if you will. So exactly like our body. So for example, let's take estrogens, make it simple. Our body makes three different types of estrogen, right? So well, many estriol. different types of estrogen, right? There's well, if you consider the well, the uh, metabolites, yeah, metabolites, I was going to get into okay. that. But you know, so your body kind of starts with estra, you know, Estrone one, which is called E1, estradiol, diol two, you know, E2, and then estriol, triol, obviously three, E3, right? But then your body, we have to change these hormones into other metabolites because the body does not know how to get rid of them or metabolize them. And either you poop it out, if you will, or you urinate it out. So you can't just take them in their whole form and get rid of them. So the body kind of what we call biotransformation. So there's a lot of kind of enzymatic chemical reactions for those of you in science that took chemistry and organic chemistry, basically the same thing happens in your body. And sometimes that's why your body blows up as I tease, just like you can blow up a lab when the machinery is not working properly, right? So then your body, you know, takes it and makes a bunch of other metabolites that are critical also well-being. And that's why it's very important, you know, to check levels, to know even whether your body is making these hormones or we're giving it to you and replenishing, which I love that term because, and then we want to know what does your body do with this stuff, whether it's you're making it or we're giving it to you because keeping things in the right pathways is very critical. So synthetic ones. So the big example, right? So like Premarin, right? So it's not synthetic in the sense, well, now it is because we make it in a lab, but basically we collect the urine from pregnant mares or horses, right? So we collect the urine, you know, and of course, when you're pregnant, we all know you make tons and tons of hormones, you know, all kinds. So they used to collect the urine from the pregnant mares and then distill all these hormones. So I said, these are horsey estrogens, basically, right? And so, right, Premarin was really the most common drug use or hormone replacement methodology that we used in women for years and years and years. Sometimes the problem is it was not body identical or bioidentical because they were horsey estrogens, not what you would normally make. And also horses, they made a lot more of the estrone, which is the really strong, you know, estrogen, as we call it. And we think the one that might be the more problematic child, if you would, the one that might be more linked to potentially breast cancer or prostate cancer in men. So, you know, that's what was the problem. Or sometimes, you know, maybe women didn't feel that great on that one because it was very potent and not what normally your body would make. And it had horsey estradiol and horsey estrone, right? But they're the more potent ones. And sometimes because in metabolism, your body just didn't know what to do with horsey estrogens because it's not the same thing. And so sometimes even metabolism and how we got rid of them, you know, we get in trouble, if you will. And some women, you know, they'll tell you like, I don't feel good on these. I thought I was supposed to feel great. But that's why, you know, sometimes because they're not what your body's used to, you know, body identical, of course, you know, when when the machinery is working in your ovaries and adrenal glands, which is another, you know, sex steroid hormone that honestly, a lot of times we don't talk about that. I call it the forgotten gland, which is unfortunate because it's one of the most critical glands in the body. And cortisol is literally the only hormone you cannot live without. Like that's the only hormone you will die without. Sometimes when we lose our estrogens and progesterones and other hormones, we feel like we're going to die, but you will not die from that. But cortisol, you literally can die. It's a medical emergency. Produced predominantly by the adrenal glands. Which is predominantly made by these adrenal glands. And that's why I, you barely hear any teaching in the adrenal gland, except in endocrinology. And there's two conditions. It's either Addison's, this medical emergency, which you have no cortisol, 
or Cushing's, which you have too much, but you know, but the adrenals make a bunch of other hormones and they're kind of the backup system to your ovaries and testes too. And that's why they really work in concert and you have to know what this entire body is doing and not just what your testes are doing or what your ovaries are doing. Because The thyroid plays into that. The adrenals play into that. The pancreas plays into that. So, and when it breaks down, we really have to look at the entire, the whole pieces of the orchestra and not just the violin or the piano, if you will, you know, to really make sure that it's rocking and sounding awesome and, and you feel your best version of you. Right, right. And so the term body identical and bioidentical is really interchangeable. But now we have like the, you know, conventional medical organization saying, oh, we use body identical estrogen as part of the combination with a, whether are they calling it non-body identical progestin? I mean, they're, they're not differentiating there. Yeah. And so like that's synthetic. So like sometimes also we get, well, I want natural hormones. This is another very common thing. So mm-hmm. Okay, there's no natural hormones. And let me clarify that. So like she said, body identical, it is these three main estrogens that your body makes. Bioidentical means when we replenish you, we're using the same, it is exactly the same chemical structure that your body makes that we're replenishing now, whether it's transdermal oral estrogens, which you should never take. And we can discuss why, you know. So let's just quickly there, oral estrogen. I was thinking about that this morning. You know, many times when women are given a hysterectomy early on and their ovaries are removed and they're counseled, oh, we can just replace what your ovaries were making. Well, your ovaries are making a lot more than estrogen, but they're often given an estradiol oral right? Or a Primarin and it's oral and that is pro-inflammatory, increases our risk for stroke, dementia. I mean, it's damage. It can be. And that's the risk of clots, right? And breast cancer. And, you know, so, so absolutely. So, you know, like I always tell uh, providers, you know, when I'm teaching, if you learn nothing from today's lecture, just please don't give estrogens orally because, because of all the various risk factors that they can have. But anyways, body identical and bioidentical basically means what your body makes and what we are replenishing, chemical structure, it's exactly the same. Now, people ask me, well, are these hormones that I get from these compounding pharmacies or even with FDA approved products, we definitely have some bioidentical, body identical, whatever you want to use, products that are FDA approved too. And so it's very important to distinguish these terms. And then they go, well, are they natural? I said, okay, most hormones that we replenish come either from a yam source or soy source. And I said, look at it. Does it look like a yam or a soybean to you when you slap it on your body? No, it doesn't. So we have to take these yams and soybeans and extract these plant-based hormones, if you will, and kind of chemical transformation, a lot of chemical reactions to make them look bioidentical to your body. And that's why it's critical to make sure that you work with reputable compounding pharmacies around the country that are using the purest forms of these, that are clean from these solvents and chemicals that we do use in these chemical reactions to make sure the end product is a clean estriol powder or estradiol powder or, you know, so are they natural? No, because it doesn't look like a yam or soy, but are they bioidentical in the exact chemical structure that what your body makes? Yes. And, and that's why it's important to really distinguish these terminologies. Progesterone, you know, you always want to obtain and really speak to your providers, whether it's in the allopathic world of medicine or in the integrative world, because, you know, we mismatch progestins, progestogens, and progesterones the same. And the progestins are synthetic. This is is so important because in the medical literature, it's been called progesterone and it's synthetic progestin. The classic example is PremPro that was created, Premarin and Provera, which was the first hormone replacement prescriptions that were really available in that combined form. And the reason progestins were created was to oppose estrogen 
because unopposed estrogen can increase your risk of endometrial cancer. And that's what they were seeing after Premarin was released. And, and I think that's really important. I think probably when I look at replacing hormones, I look at, I want to replace what's as natural and known by the body as possible, right? From the food we eat, from the skincare we're using, to the supplements we're taking, to the hormones we're taking, especially with hormones. And then the concept is that, you know, this whole thing about progesterone with or without a uterus is another piece that I want you to talk about. In my hierarchy of hormone replenishment, I do DHEA, progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen. That's kind of my hierarchy rhythm. And I wanted your feedback on that one. Sometimes it's everything at one time, but usually I like to do it step by step. Yeah. You know, and it, and it depends where, you know, every woman is very different. Every man's hormonal replacement journey, if you will, is very different. And that's why, you know, it still drives me nuts to this day. We still see this in medicine where we give women after hysterectomies, estrogens only and not progesterone because we go, well, the uterus is gone. We don't need to protect. Progesterone has over 300 functions in the body and it's not there to just shed the lining of the uterus. You know? Amen to that. And, and, you know, like the Pepe trial came out in 1979. Okay, this is not new science or anything. And to this day, when I see that, if you tell me what is the thing that irks me the most in medicine to this day, it's still hysterectomy, post-hysterectomy women that are on estrogens only. Progesterone and progestins are very different. Now, initially, when the Women Health Initiative trial, which I just listened to, you know, Peter Atiyah's podcast, which was on that, and it was very interesting when he said, what do you guys think the single most atrocity that occurred in medicine? And it was very fascinating. And he goes, I think it, when it was the Women's Health Initiative trial when it came out and we scared everybody, the living lights out of everybody Absolutely. on hormones. All these women were yanked off of hormones. And he goes, this is probably by far the single worst atrocity in medicine that we've seen. And thank God it's been retracted. But of course, it took 20 years to retract that data. And it's still the misinformation. It's still so vast with hormone and hormone replacement. But anyways, with progestins. So that's what they saw when we gave women, you know, horsey estrogens with progestins, because they're very different function on the body than bioidentical progesterone, the risk of breast cancer skyrocket. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Estrogens, with progesterone, actually, we say a nullified effect, so no risk in breast cancer increase. And actually, some of the trials showed a decrease in the incidence of breast cancer. So the way I always look at it, estrogens is kind of like the gas, right? Estrogens kind of tell breast tissue and the endometrial, you know, which is the lining of the uterus to kind of proliferate because we're getting ready for implantation of a baby, right? And that's during pregnancy. So estrogen in general has always been gas to the body and especially the sex organs, if you will. And progesterone is the brakes. And so what you always hope that they're in balance, right? That the rate of proliferation or expansion, if you will, and the brakes really kind of work. So they keep the speedometer in the safe zone, if you will. So it's very important to, you know, keep those in line. And even if you don't have a uterus, again, the protection to the breast, especially. Now, progesterone is very protective to your brain. It's neuroprotective. It's protective to breast. It's to protective to bones. It, like I said, it has 300 different functions in the body. So we have to. And let's talk about mood, right? And memory, because when our progesterone drops, that is you know, that is memory loss and mood swings and brain fog is a symptom of low progesterone. And so, yeah, so I always tease, uh, you know, I always tease. So a lot of times in perimenopause, you know, and sometimes, unfortunately, we're seeing women and women enter the menopausal dance, as I call it, much earlier in life now, you know, before it was kind of late 40s, you know, when we start now. So anyways, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of these women, they have mood lability or PMS, what we call it, or PMDD now. And a lot of times, you know, these people are, are they're stuck on antidepressants because they go, oh, you have mood 
you're depressed, you're this, you're that. Let me give you, you know, SSRI. So I always tease actually when I teach and I said, I swear most of you don't have a Prozac deficiency. I can guarantee you it's usually a progesterone deficiency, you know, and, and absolutely. But again, this is the neuro or the brain protective effects of progesterone for mood. You know, when you're short, like in the one to two weeks before your period, you know, if you have a short fuse, you want to chop people's head off, you're just edgy, you can't sleep well, sometimes what we call a luteal phase defect. And so that's why it's very simple. We can measure your progesterone levels, even in the blood days 18 to 21. And we can see if it's really low, that could mean that there's a luteal phase defect. And sometimes replenishing that can really help with mood, with sleep, with all that stuff. Now, as far as your like hierarchy question, you know, I usually start with DHEA. So we should have brought a cask, you know, the hormonal, the hormonal cascade. So pregnenolone, yeah, I know. So we start like cholesterol, right? That everybody knows cholesterol in the body. So your body kind of takes cholesterol and we make pregnenolone, which is kind of like what we call the mother hormone, because your body can kind of take pregnenolone and shuttle it, if you will, biochemically to the right or left as I tease, right? So, and then we can make, you know, progesterone and then some other adrenal hormones we won't get into now, or we make this DHEA, which is kind of a filler upper hormone. So this is one of the adrenal hormones, but again, your body's very smart. That's why the adrenals, I always say, it's the backup system to your sex organs, right? So when they're kind of like faltering, kind of going south, you know, the adrenals go, I got to fill in the holes per se, right? So DHEA, your body takes that and can make estrogens and testosterone and kind of fill in the holes. So a lot of times when, you know, they're still making and the machinery is still going, but maybe we need some holes to fill, we do sometimes just give people pregnenolone or DHEA or both because they can kind of use those building blocks to kind of fill in the holes and see. And then we monitor you and see how you're doing, you know, lab-wise, symptom-wise and things like that. And then sometimes then we go, okay, we filled some of the holes, but not enough. And in general, progesterone is the first hormone to go. It's not estrogen in really most women. And unfortunately, because for two reasons, one is we have these estrogen fakers that we get from food, plastics, what we call xenoestrogens from the environment. So a lot of really men, women, and children nowadays, really they're full of these fake estrogens because you get them from you know, not clean foods, take out containers, water supply, things like that. So progesterone in general is the first hormone to go. And so a lot of times that hierarchy makes sense that we start with the filler upper hormones, you know, let's give you a little pregnenolone if you need it, DHEA. And that's why you always measure because we just want to make sure we're scientifically kind of replacing. You fill in the holes. And if the holes are not filled in correctly, you give them progesterone if needed. A lot of times women will need progesterone mainly still cyclically. Like we do a day 14 through 28 or a day 14 through 25, you know, depending on where each person is, you know, each person is very different. And sometimes women, even early on, they may need some estrogens, you know, and again, if they need it, but in general, that hierarchy absolutely makes sense. Pregnenolone, DHEA initially, progesterone is usually the first to go and then followed by estrogen. Um, sometimes they may need to stop, they may not because your body, again, very smart, can take DHEA and make testosterone and sometimes the body aromatizes what we call aromatization. It's another chemical reaction, if you will. And your body can make testosterone from estrogens too. So estrogen from testosterone mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. So it can be a, it's a bi-directional process, you know, and that's why the body sometimes is smarter. You know, I tease sometimes when we replace your hormones, you know, you know, it takes us a little tweak to get you in the sweet spot, as I call it. And you know, these ovaries are just amazing in the machinery. They're just, and they, they just, change. they're amazing. Sahar, I, I know you see too, like the fluctuation of our hormones over time with seasonal changes, right? And so there's like this innate knowledge that I always try to impart on my patients when I'm working with their hormones is like when we need more, when we need less, 
what do we need? What cofactors do we need? What micro, what vitamins do we need? When do we need to take a drug holiday, hormone holiday? And one of the biggest things that I learned from you and Dr. Pam Smith was certainly the progesterone pauses that we need to take one or two days off a week, three to five days off a month for progesterone replacement. Can you touch on that and talk to us about why? Yeah. So, so remember, you know, all these chemical reactions that are going on in your body in just like in a lab in your body, you need what we call cofactors. And a lot of cofactors are vitamins. That's why, you know, we always say when in doubt, start with the gut, you know, in medicine and in integrative functional medicine, whatever you want to call the field, you know, I always tease when in doubt, start with the gut, you want to start with good whole food diet, right? You need the nutrients. And if you don't eat well, then you need to supplement. All so right, you know, all I'm going to say all keto green diet, keto green okay, diet. Absolutely. Keto green, you know, definitely, you know, clean living, but if you're not following a clean diet, and even if you are all hormones, natural or synthetic or bioidentical or whatever you want to call them, they deplete B vitamins. So you, we always replace B vitamins with hormone replacement therapy. Why? because it's critical for the pathways of methylation, which is one of the major chemical reactions, if you will, where we use to kind of transform these hormones into good metabolites so we can get rid of them and keep them in the right machinery. So B vitamins are always critical. Like if you take nothing with hormones, you must take a B vitamin supplement. But, you know, magnesium is critical, right? You know, vitamin D for a million and one things. Probiotics, Vitamin right? D for receptor site function, right? For oxytocin, for progesterone to function well, we need healthy vitamin D. And I think, yeah. you know, touching back on the progesterone pregnenolone. So the, the reason to take a break in that is to decrease the negative biofeedback and shutting down our body's own natural production. So absolutely. And that's why I always say we measure because sometimes from symptoms, you know, we'll go, oh, you must be low on X or high on Y. And then when we get the labs back, we're like, oh my God, it was totally the opposite. So then something else could be going on that are giving you these symptoms and not necessarily the hormonal mismatch that we were thinking. And that's why we always measure, right? And I always say, sometimes there's debate, you know, why do we measure hormones, you know? And I'm like, would you ever give thyroid without measuring levels? Of course, the endocrinologist would never do that or insulin to a diabetic. Now, the other reason- postmenopausally, postmenopausally, we can pretty much universally benefit from progesterone, progesterone and pregnenolone, a little bit oh, of additional absolutely. support. Postmenopausally, we know the machinery has shut down, right? They went south, they're done. So, and it's so critical. Most of the data it's showing now, and that's why if you're an appropriate candidate, and of course, not everybody's an appropriate candidate for hormone replacement, but if you're an appropriate candidate, the literature states that the earlier we start hormones in the perimenopause to early menopause state, you will reap the best benefit within that first 10 years of that window. And the literature also states that you should, according to the North American Menopause Society, that you should only be on it for your symptoms for the shortest duration possible, two to three years. And I don't, I have some 80 year olds that have been on hormone replacement. So. And so that's the biggest debate. So, you know, and, and, and a lot of times we'll get this like, well, we don't have any long-term studies. And I said, you're right. Some of the longer term studies are lacking, but I said, you know, I always go back to God's textbook of medical physiology as I tease and God's textbook of medical physiology, basically all gave us hormones <laughs> around 10 to 12 to 13 years of age, up to 50 ish something. And in general, people are healthier, more vital, more rocking the world during that time. So according to God's textbook of medical physiology, I say keep on rocking, right? You know, and, well, um, and, plus and our, our, than- yeah, plus our ovaries continue to produce postmenopause. We know that the 65 year old ovary is still producing some testosterone. And I think and it has the longer we keep and our some ovaries the better- in some cases, right? Yes. And the longer we keep our ovaries, the better our longevity is, the longer we keep our healthy ovarian function. Now, the biggest question comes up in in breast cancer. I do want to just say back on progesterone pregnenolone. One of the things is why I created my balance cream. It has progesterone and pregnenolone. I put progesterone and pregnenolone in it, USP, 
bioidentical with some additional, tri, you know, additional fun stuff like tripeptides. And to answer your question, um, you know, the other thing you never want to replace exactly because you don't want to shut that loop in your body because usually it goes, oh, I'm low. I better kick up the production. Oh, it's a little high now. Let me slow down. The other reason, though, why we give holidays or what we call hormonal holidays, whether usually we'll tell women, hey, take Saturday and Sunday off or take a Sunday off or take three to five days at the end of the month. Sometimes that's a bit longer and most women become symptomatic. Right. So I like the approach of a weekend holiday or one day off a week. But the reason why you want to do that, if you're on it, because then you wouldn't be shutting production because you're low or, you know, we replenish. But actually the brain, because her usually it's used to these cyclical fluctuations in hormones in the brain, actually for, for neural protection or brain protection and better function, it likes to see these fluctuations in hormones. And that's one of the main reasons why we do the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. To keep it active and to keep it receptive and to keep it functioning, to keep the progesterone doing what it needs to do and keep our body from shutting down its own natural production and conversion to progesterone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then most of the most time we do better. And oftentimes when I have a client who's been on continuous progesterone, just by initiating those breaks can just yeah. be game changing. And so with progesterone, a little different than estrogen, oral progesterone is okay. Transdermal progesterone is okay. Both are safe. Both are safe and yes, progesterone studies. orally actually is the preferred route especially if you have sleep anxiety issues, because actually we want the oral form to go to your liver, if you will. And again, have undergo a chemical reaction and it gets transformed to a few metabolites. They actually hit what we call the GABA system in your brain, which is the calm me down system. So if women have, you know, that kind of symptoms, we actually prefer the oral, but absolutely with progesterone, it is the one that's universal, if you will, oral, sublingual, transdermal, vaginal is great. Yeah. Estrogen, you mainly want topical or intravaginal. You don't really want it oral for sure, for the reasons we mentioned, but even sublingual. So I'll hear this question commonly, can I use it sublingually? And yes, absolutely. Some will be absorbed sublingually, but the problem is you will swallow some of that and then you get into the oral problems again, you know? And so yeah, I know that is I something really, with yeah, that's certainly something with me, Sahara. I love my trochees. I love having everything combined in my trochee. And so that oral estrogen being the issue and really trying to be conscientious, making it yeah. really small, work on letting it dissolve, but I'm swallowing it. But I do watch my inflammatory markers and so far so good, but I'm paying attention to that too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a piece. And the other piece too, if you are a rapid converter of progesterone to, you know, you're shunting cortisol a lot. Sometimes it works better when we do it transdermally. Mm -hmm. We're not getting that big shunt. So one more thing, I know I, we're wrapping up and I'm so excited. You guys, if you have not heard my bioidentical masterclass where Dr. Sahar Sweetam was one of the experts, definitely tune into that. We have a lot of great information that is there and available to you. And there are myself and three other experts, Sahar being one of them, that's part of that bioidentical masterclass. You can see there's a lot of information here and, and Dr. Sweetam is a wealth and always on the cutting edge of, of the safest, reliable, most effective ways. And the biggest question that we often get is what about in patients with breast cancer? What can mm -hmm. we do safely? Now I've talked about using DHEA vaginally. It's in my Jolva cream and the safety and efficacy profiles with topical DHEA, whether it's vulvar or intravaginal, there's been good research to look at that. We always want to know though, in patients with breast cancer, what are their risks? What's their, what medications are they on? And also where is that converting to, whether it's DHEA or progesterone or what's in their skincare product, where is that going? So I wondered, you know, I think recently there was a statement out that again, oral estrogen, I mean, estrogens in general, estrogen's not a solitary contributor to breast cancer. So that whole fear from the WHI that's resolved. And I'm wondering what your stand is in working with a breast cancer client. And I know you do that, not, you know, widespread. So that's one. And the second thing I want you to talk about your skincare line. I love your products. So incredibly, so incredibly absorptive and effective. That's what I want to say. You can see a change with them. So. 
Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's usually the biggest question, right? You know, and, and like with anything, it's risk versus benefit, right? You know, you get in your car, there's a risk and benefit to that. You know, simple aspirin over the counter has risks and benefits, right? And, and so it's same with hormones. So really every situation is very different and it has to be evaluated. Now, exactly. I think estrogens in general was vilified because of these various, you know, the Women Health Initiative trial and things like that. And we always kind of said, oh, it's bad. It causes breast cancer and things like that. And of course, with breast cancer, you know, there's hormonally mediated breast cancer and non-hormonally mediated breast cancer. And that's why all of that have to be taken into account. There's actually a book that was written by an oncologist. And when I first read it, I about fell off the floor because I'm like an oncologist writing on, you know, estrogen therapy and why it matters. And it's called Estrogen Matters, really, by Dr. Abram Blumming. And so I think we've relaxed some of those guidelines. And it was very interesting. So actually, in Europe, estriol, which we think of as the protective estrogen. And so actually, in Europe, in even post-breast cancer prophylaxis, they use estriol because it works a bit differently on this kind of receptor, estrogen receptor beta, what we call, and it's kind of, we think of it as the protective estrogen, if you will. And, and even some of the more medical societies more recently, like even intravaginal in certain situations might be, but I think I'm with the camp of using DHEA, mainly, you know, even as I learned when we dug into the physiology and it's like, you know, God is just much smarter like in, in when he created us because the first one-third of the, the vaginal area, the first one-third of the vagina is actually mainly androgen receptors. So it does not undergo this potential concern that we, you know, of transforming even DHEA to estrogen. So even if people have, so I would say probably intravaginal DHE is going to be the safest mode. And again, you got to stay in the first one third of the vagina of the vagina, you know, if you will. Um, some of them, they are, you know, they are allowing intravaginal estrogen for vaginal dryness and things like that in certain situations. But even in women that cannot use hormonal therapies because of vaginal dryness, you know, in things like that, we can use some other modalities like hyaluronic acid. I always tease what's good for your lips up there is good for the lips down there too. And things like that to really help because it truly in in some situations in certain cancers, we absolutely cannot use hormones because again, it's a risk versus benefit, but we have so many techniques and other, you know, tricks up our sleeve, as I call it, that we can really help women with some of these symptoms. And, and I think the biggest message, yeah, the biggest message is it's not as scary as we thought it was. Absolutely. And it's not a culprit. And there's so much safety also based on the route of administration. And then again, each patient is different. And, yeah. and unique. And so we have to take all that into consideration. It's that, you know, before it was an absolute no, nobody ever thought about giving a cancer patient, you know, potentially a replacement, uh, replenishment, if you will. But also, we always thought that was it. That's what was causing cancer. And really, most of the recent data is really nullifying that theory that estrogen is not a contributor or very minimally in certain situations. Yeah, totally the Cinderella hormone. And so let's talk about the endocrine disruptors, which we can attribute many of those cancers to, and then your skincare line. I know we just got two minutes here, Sahar. Yeah. And just cancer, you know, cancer is a metabolic disease. So, you know, that's a whole nother podcast that we can do on that really. But yeah, you know, I think for endocrine disruptors, it's very important. And honestly, the reason why I created my skincare line is I kept looking, even some of the clean lines out there, because again, I'm a pharmacology type person by training. I would review all these, look at the safety profile. I'm like, there's nothing clean about this, you know? And so just kind of like, I've always been the mad science type. So I kind of went in my lab and just played and created this till I made something that was really pretty clean, not endocrine disruptor, but also followed the science. You know, obviously I'm a scientist at heart. I'm academia. I teach it. I just published a book on pain management, you know, about a year ago also. You know, I really looked at the literature, saw which ingredients truly change the physiology. I wanted skin food, as I call it. You know, I really wanted to just give you more assistance for your skin cells to do what they do best to keep you looking youthful, radiant, 
and you know the best version of yourself and as a bonus they smell awesome on top of that like i have literally organic rose oil from france and argeroline which is a peptide that's been shown in clinical trials to really help with skin tightening i i tease i call it like a topical botoxy kind of thing in some of the clinical trials I so i really it. wanted something clean because even the hormones what you apply to your skin the cleaning products shampoos conditioner Skincare, you really want to think because skin is your most absorptive surface. And if it's junk and, and harmful stuff, you're going to get it. And, and that's, I can't warn you enough about what you apply and what you dip your body and hands in every day. And that's critical to look at, review it. I love EWG and the environmentalworkgroup.org. I always go there whenever I'm looking at new products that I don't yeah. know. Look at the ingredients. Look at the scale of harm. Yeah, it's EWG.org forward slash skin deep. That's a great resource for me. I was just looking at a makeup line. And they have an app. Actually, you can literally scan the code when you're shopping and it'll show you this the toxicity scale, I guess, if you will. You know, they have a numbering system. Yeah, it's a well, great tell our, uh, tell our audience but, where they can get it, your products. Where do they find you? Yeah, if you just go to Sahar.world, I made it really easy. It's just, you know, Sahar.world is my website and it has all my publications, books, skincare, all that good stuff. So it's just all under one world for you. So just the hard dot world. Um, yeah, you can um, order. I have some videos you can listen to even too, because awesome. clearly, as you can tell, I love gabbing and teaching. Yeah. And then, you know, I also love Dr. Quebec's, you know, products. So I always recommend them. So the Jolva cream is, you know, actually, you know, she gave me a sample a few years ago and, and, and you know, I loved it. And remember it's DHEA. So what we talked about, it's really one of the major hormones to really make sure the area down there stays vital, healthy, and really rejuvenated. So it's amazing. Yeah, the reason I ran it by you is because of your your pharma background too. It's just the clean ingredients. The same with my balance cream, progesterone, pregnenolone, and tripeptide in there. And the Jolva has stem cells as well as DHEA. And I think the combination, but the key thing is even in compounding, we really have to specify clean ingredients because absolutely, if you look at prescription body identical gels that are for the vagina, they are filled with endocrine disruptors and can really be caustic to the vagina long-term. So, right. I mean, I think about those things and I'm like, okay, we can do better. And I appreciate how much you're passionate about teaching and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us. And, and certainly in my bioidentical hormone masterclass. And again, thank you so much for being here, Sahar. There's so much. Okay. You guys, sahar.world, sahar.world. And if you ever have the opportunity to hear her speak, if you're a clinician listening, check her out. I know she does a lot with um, A4M. That's A4M and PCCA are the two places we've, we've interact most on stage and off stage. So appreciate that. And I'll definitely be in Las Vegas this December speaking. Will you be there, Sahar? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. Okay, good. I will see you there. So you guys check out sahar.world for her more information on her. And I typically give a quick rapid fire question. So just a couple for you today. What is your favorite food? that you love to eat? What's soul food for you? Spinach and Brussels sprouts. Okay. The way I make them, I love that. (laughs) Well, I'm going to need your recipe then. And then what is on your travel itinerary? Where do you, what's your bucket list travel destination? Like for fun or professionally? For fun. You know, I've trotted the globe a lot and I just, I always love Europe and Norway kind of areas. So just really hoping to go back and now take the kids through my world adventures. But I've trotted the globe and I I honestly love all of it. But actually for next year, we're planning a Dubai and Europe kind of trip with the kids, which I think will be fun to kind of see it through their eyes now and in their lens per se. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I definitely on my bucket list. And I just think of this with you because the Sudan family we know goes back to Jordan. And so you're like, we were, we're 500 years in the Holy land, my side of the family and your side's in Jordan. I've yet to, I've yet to visit Jordan. That's definitely. A you have to come because next year, you know, when we do Dubai, we're going to hop over there for a bit, go to the Holy land, Dubai, and then kind of Europe 
Europe and, and then oh back my there. Gosh. Well, so. I will share the Swedans in the Holy Land and you share the Swedans in Jordan with me. Let's meet up. Let's And we'll that. blame it on our products. We're going to take our products on a world tour because they're so clean. Definitely. She's got great products. Just remember the balance cream for those oh, moments so when you need Thank more you. balance in your life as I tease and the Jalva and I love actually I haven't tried it yet your new lips for the lips down there product uh, I love that so and lower lips that's right yeah that I love kiss. that gonna, so I'll I saw send you that some. like oh my god how clever I love that so definitely <laughs> check out her products they're usually amazing I've tried all of them except the lip one yet <laughs> all right I, I've got a few new ones too so I've got a hair formula a sleep formula I'm just checking you know addressing all things that really affect us midlife and well the pillars of life right it's stress reduction sleep nature, clean eating. And it's like, and sometimes if you can't do that, you do need the support. And I think, you know, we're so thankful that we saw the deficiencies and because of our training in both worlds, we are able to make cleaner products because again, it's not just the ingredients like progesterone USP, great pregnenolone USP, like in her products. But when she came to me, the vehicle because sometimes the vehicle that these things in, it's so toxic. And if this is something you're going to use, let's say for the rest of your life, you want the clean vehicle. So don't just look at the active ingredients, which we all tend to do. Also look at the inactives because they're just as critical to make sure they're not toxic, clean and causing endocrine disruption. You know, I always say you're trying to do all this good stuff and, and like replenish hormones or all supplements. But when you look at the other toxic stuff in them, it's like you're not doing your body any favors by doing it this way. And so it's really critical to learn that and start reading labels. I know it drives everybody nuts, but you have to. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. You know, Sahara, I could talk to you forever. We definitely have to catch up some more on the personal side too, but it's been great sharing you with my audience. I know they will love this podcast. So they will love this Absolutely. Show. And tonight again, hopefully you can join us for this evening. Yes. Program. At the time of the recording, we are doing the bioidentical hormone masterclass tonight as well. So that will be available for you with time this gets released. That will be on my website at dranna.com. You guys, at, right. Ask your questions, ask your questions. There's a lot of talk that we had during this, and we may not be in alignment with the information you're getting from the physician, but I'm sure there's a common ground there. And I think the biggest thing that I've done in my own life because of my own journey and working with and, and learning from brilliant leaders in the field, like Dr. Sahar Sudan, that there is, you know, we have to address the foundationals. We have to do what's as natural to our body as possible, and we have to do it in the right way. So I know you're going to have questions. Be sure to message me. Definitely comment on the show at dranna.com forward slash show and my YouTube channel. Please subscribe there because we do see the questions and comments that come in there as well as you can email team at drannacabeca.com. I have the most amazing customer service team in the world, and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for all of you in the Girlfriend Doctor community. Please subscribe and share this information. Until next time, thank you all.